This is the Annenberg Learner Podcast, where we aim to elevate the education profession through conversations that inspire, recognize, and encourage innovation and best practices in the field. We track the lived experience of teachers, students, and parents alongside the ecosystem that serves them. Guest speakers will share what's working and the steps we can take to reimagine and redesign teaching and learning for our most vulnerable populations. This is Matthew Rodriguez, welcoming you to the Annenberg Learner Podcast. In 2020, a group of over 30 STEM organizations came together to provide coordinated learning opportunities for Los Angeles students. Over 80,000 and counting K through eight students have participated in live online and in-person programs that engage students in STEM learning opportunities. We're honored to welcome Ben Dickow, the president and executive director of Columbia Memorial Space Center and leader of Expand LA. Ben led the strategic vision, operations, and sustainability plan of the nonprofit Space Museum and hands-on STEM Learning Center to ignite a community of creative and critical thinkers. Ben, welcome. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to to talk today. Great. Thank you. Um, So I know that you're wearing multiple hats. Um, Would you mind sharing a bit about your own background and how you got into this work? Sure. Um, probably like most people, you kind of back into this thing and all of a sudden it becomes your life's work. Um, I went to the University of Chicago uh, for undergrad and uh, was looking for a, a, a part-time job while I was going to school. This was my junior year. And uh, the U of C is just a few blocks away from the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. So I went, uh, applied for a job. I ended up getting a job in the education department, uh, writing science books, um, for them, like activity books and things like that and developing curriculum, um, as a part-timer. And, uh, after graduation, they offered a full-time job and I really fell in love with the field and kind of what, what was going on at the time. Um, and just kind of stuck with it. Um, I think I've said this before, but museums in the, you know, let's just say the mid to late nineties, um, was kind of, there was kind of a wild west because they were really trying to figure out their role in society with the internet coming. And there's a lot of hand wringing about, Oh, it's going to destroy museums. So, um, I got in at a, at a like really lucky time because I was able to do a lot of things as a young professional, uh, from exhibit design to curriculum development, to management and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, very early in my career. So, uh, I was very fortunate for that. And then, yeah, just stuck with it. And um, I've moved around to different sectors in the field, uh, you know, very much rooted in STEM education, but uh, I've been, you know, worked at major museums. I've worked with the National Science Foundation. I've uh, I've been on the for-profit side uh, as the creative director of a design company, designing museums and exhibits around the world. Um, I've done, uh, I was on a PBS science show. I've done science communication, just all kinds of things, but it all started with that one part-time job in Chicago. That's great. Thank you. And um, I love that you shared a little bit about uh, internet and how that impacted your work in museums. I assume that there's a similar uh, change with with the pandemic in the last two years. What has changed in your work and what do you think is here to stay? Uh, yes, it's very, actually, it's very similar. Um, you know, 
Well, there's a couple of couple of answers to that, actually. So I think it, the short answer is, um, you know, we when pandemic started uh, and this was pretty much across the board, you know, March. Well, for the Space Center, it was March 16th, 2020. But for most of my colleagues, it's around that same day. You know, we closed operations. We closed ourselves off to the public and like the rest of the world kind of hunkered down and locked in. Um, and, you know, we're all hands on science museums. You know, it's uh it's we're not necessarily very object-based so a lot of our stuff is about the social connection between people between visitors and our spaces between us and the visitors and then between visitors and these sort of very tactile kind of experiences um so we spent you know about a month or so trying to figure out what we're going to do and then uh and then you know uh, you know moved to online so we pretty quickly we developed a whole online uh, some online expertise on how to how to deliver programming. So I remember that first the first program was our summer camp for 2020, um, and you know I reallocated some funds to just buy a bunch of equipment. We basically became a, a TV production studio, um, and it's been very rewarding. I think. You know, uh, well, a couple of different things. You know, I'm in LA, and here we are in the media capital of the world, and we were trying to figure out how to do what professionals, you know, go to school for. And there's a huge industry here in LA, um, but because we were kind of isolated because of the pandemic, we had to really we couldn't rely on a lot of outside expertise, so we had to really kind of figure it out on our own. Um, but it was, it's been great. So we totally went virtual. Um, we didn't open up again until for in-person until this past uh, July. So, um, so from March of 2020 until, you know, July 1 of 2021, we were doing all online. But, um, you know, I'm happy to say that my staff is awesome. We were able to engage the same amount of people online as we were, as we usually do in person. Um you know, sold out registrations for all of our online classes and stuff like that. It was great. Um, so in that way, it is like when I first started because, you know, my staff really had to become media producers and really rethink what they do, not just the content of what they do or the pedagogy or the curriculum, but really rethink the the tools that they became experts at and stuff like that. And um, it's been incredible. I know some of my staff are, you know, doing this, more and more kind of on the side as side work. Um, and uh, it's just, a, it's just an incredible experience um, to see in my position, to see the staff just kind of really rally behind each other and, and make this happen. Um, so the question of what do you, what do I think is here to stay? I think, I think the whole thing is here to stay. Um, maybe not to the, you know, we're never going to be, or not, I'm not going to say never, but we're not going to a hundred percent online content anymore, but there was a lot of valuable work and a lot of intimate connection that happened with our audience through online platforms that, that we don't want to totally throw out. Plus, we spent over a year figuring out how to do this stuff and, and becoming experts at it. Um, uh, so we don't want to throw out all that skill and all that, you know, over a year's worth of, of learning and work. So, um, so yeah, so I think we're, we're definitely going to keep an, an online virtual aspect to it. It's allowed us to, to pull audience in from way outside of the Southern California region. Uh, and in some ways, you know, like I said, kind of build even stronger intimate connections with our learners um, than we can in a, you know, a two hour field trip program that happens. Maybe it's in person, but it's still, you know, we're not getting that sort of 
focused attention, I think, that happened online. Got it. Thank you. And I, I know you mentioned that um, uh, one of the benefits of having this virtual content now is your, your reach, that you're able to have people mm-hmm. that um, may not live close to the center or, or be able to, to do that, make that trip. Um, how do you see that uh, audience either continuing to grow or um, what is the overlap between the in-person online, um, I don't know, what do you call it, a visitor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So it's, um, I think we're going to figure that out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. You know, we, so the online audience, we were able to, get a pretty good idea of where some people were coming from. Um, you know, we certainly our, our home audience were the people who kind of knew us ahead of time. So they, they kind of knew what, what they, they knew what we were offering. Um, but now that we're, you know, we've only been at the in-person now for a little less than six months and we're still trying to figure out where that, that uh, overlap is. Um, but I, I'll say that, you know, uh, kind of broadening this out away from just the space center, but, you know, I, you know, I work within the out of school time learning realm, right. Or the uh, informal learning or whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, pre pandemic, we already spent, we, we already impacted learners, the public, you know, for, you know, multi, for a lot, much larger time throughout a person's life than just, uh, school, right? So, you know, if you're thinking about a, um, a student who's in school, maybe they spend, let's say, let's be generous, and they spend like eight to 10% of their life in school. Um, all that other time of their life, they're learning STEM, but they're learning it outside of the school environment. And that's where we come in, or the, you know, the out of school time learning comes in, right? So, um, you know, the, the beauty of that is now we have this whole other tool to, to work with people out of school and work with people out of school. Now, anytime it's not just, you know, um, who can make it the space center after school or who can make it on a weekend program or during a, a holiday program or something like that. But, um, you know, conceivably, you know, kids could start their day with a space center program online and they could, you know, between the time that they're, uh, you know, leave the classroom and get picked up, they could be working with us without ever walking through the door. So, um, you know, in addition to sort of the, the overlap, as far as like location, it's kind of, we're really interested to find out like, how are people using this stuff now that we've generated this content and it's accessible and we're, we keep generating online content, um, you know, how are people really using it uh, in a way that kind of, uh, you know, enhances our role as a legitimate, you know, just as important education uh, experience as the classroom experience. Yeah. Um, and, and I was just, again, processing the fact that you actually maintained your audience or even grew it when yeah. you went online. That's, that's pretty impressive. As part of its mission to advance excellent teaching in American schools, Annenberg Learner funds and distributes educational video programs with coordinated online and print materials for the professional development of K-12 teachers. Many programs are also intended for students in the classroom and viewers at home with videos that exemplify excellent teaching. K-12 educators, students, and lifelong learners may access Annenberg Learner resources for free at learner.org. 
Please note, rights restrictions may limit the availability of some series. For the latest information about learner programming and availability, sign up for the Annenberg Learner Newsletter at learner.org. I want to take a step back for those of us that are that are not or those people that are not in LA. Um, what is the Columbia Memorial Space? Oh. What can people expect to see there or experience? That's a great question. I should have started <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, uh, so the Columbia Memorial Space Center is a space museum and hands-on science learning center. Um, we are, you know, think of think of your typical science museum, and we're it. We're just a little smaller. Um, we're not we're not the biggest in town, um, but we provide pretty much all the same kind of programming. So we have uh, a museum facility uh, where people can come in and work with hands-on um, interactive ed- uh, exhibits, uh, also see some displays of objects. Um, the Columbia Memorial Space Center is located on uh, in Downey, California, which is just about eh, 10 miles outside of downtown LA, maybe less. Um, but it is where NASA built all of the Apollo capsules that went to the moon and all the space shuttles. So we're we're located on this huge former uh, facility, NASA facility, um, that now is mostly a shopping center. But, um, but we have an incredible amount of artifacts from basically the, the whole life of the space program. So starting in uh, post-world, well, a little bit actually pre-World War II. Our site goes back to airplane building in the 20s. Um, and then it, right after World War II, we became this center for rocket research and then kind of transition in early 60s to Apollo and then shuttle. So we have all of that history and a lot of artifacts from that time period. So you can come here and we bring some of that stuff out and, and have it in display um, in the museum. But again, like we have a lot of like hands-on stuff. We also have Southern California's only Challenger Learning Center. Uh, the Challenger Learning Center is a, I think there's about 40 of them around the world, but they, um, they are immersive simulators of mission control in a spacecraft. And we take groups on two-hour missions to the moon and Mars and, and other places. Um, and it's all kind of supported by this national net or the international network of centers. Um, so that's on-site. We also have a, a hands-on robotics lab, the only public robotics lab in LA. Um, and just lots of fun stuff. So, uh, so that's that's kind of our physical site. But we also do a, a ton of programs. So um, some on-site and some off-site, uh, and everything from you know summer camp programs to uh, outreach programs to um, you know you name it. We have an early childhood program we collaborated with Caltech on. Um, so we do all that kind of stuff. And then we also do these sort of large events. Um, so the, the mission of the Space Center is to ignite communities of creative and critical thinkers. And uh, a real sort of main thrust and tr- strategic sort of task of the Space Center is to truly be a 21st century uh, uh, museum. So we, we do not, we value the out of the wall, you know, experiences that happen outside of our building just as much as hap- things that happen inside. So it's very important for us to um, kind of look at the Space Center facility as just uh, sort of a headquarters, but not the end-all be-all, and to really get out where people are. Um, you know, if we're working with somebody in a neighborhood in South LA, um, it doesn't matter whether they come back and turn into a visitor to the Space Center. It's They're going to get a high-quality Space Center experience wherever they are. Because, you know, LA is hard to get to and there's all kinds of barriers to, to 
accessing museum experiences. So we want to go where people are and, um, and really value, give high quality, valuable experiences, no matter where people are. You know, I want to encourage everybody to visit, but I also want to encourage everybody to, to contact us because we, we love to go out to where you are. That's great. A couple things. I, yeah. I did not know that there was uh, that the center had the only public robotics lab yeah. in L.A. I feel like they should be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, I, you know, I hope I, I hope I'm right. I, so far, we have not found anyone that's like us. But as a visitor, you can walk into our robotics lab and and work on, uh, you know, build and, and run around with one of our robots. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there are probably uh, libraries that have that too, but not a dedicated space for it. Yeah, that's great. And then um, the early childhood uh, work with Caltech, what, it, what is that? What does that look like? Uh, so that's, um, that's a program for zero to four-year-olds that we co-developed with the Caltech Early Childhood Center. Um, it's kind of like a, a parent in me type of experience where um, parents are invited to come in early, uh, early in the morning. Um, and you kind of register for these blocks. I think we run about three, three blocks of classes a day in the mornings. Um, and for, it's for, you know, units of about 10 weeks. Um, but there we've got a whole early childhood portion of the building. Um, and our staff works with the little kids to, um, uh, you know, to, to kind of practice and discover early STEM skills with their parents there or with their caregivers there. Um, so, you know, oftentimes we'll start with a, um, like a, a sort of a, a STEMI uh, story time and have all the kids sit, kind of sit down and kind of, you know, share out and do like five minutes of maybe a, a quick little story that's got some STEM things. Maybe it's about light or something like that. And then the kids go off and they, uh, you know, they, it's very hands-on and they um, interact with the tools around light or with wind or something like that. But it's, it's really all about getting to um, sort of basic skills and laying that foundation for, for future STEM, both STEM enthusiasm and for STEM skill building and things like that. Um, like several of our programs, we've, you know, been doing this on site for a number of years and now we're ready to start sending it out places. So we've got this great curriculum. We have this, uh, you know, I have this staff that's skilled in this stuff. So now we want to start growing little, um, you know, franchises of this basically, uh, or, you know, little you know, clubs or something like that, uh, in neighborhoods that, that would want it and are interested in that might need it. Um, so hopefully we can partner with some community organizations and stuff and get the early childhood program out there. That's great. Yeah. My next question was going to be around your comment of getting out of the building and um, mm -hmm. going where people are. What, what does that look like? I know you mentioned the early childhood um, uh, work. Is there anything else that uh, the space center is working on to get yeah. out? Yeah. Yeah. So this has been, so right now it's not as easy because of there's still a lot of COVID restrictions, but before COVID, um, and this kind of was really, a, it has been and continues to be a big, like I said, strategic goal. Um, we would partner up with a lot of community groups and, and, you know, bring what we do out there. Um, we would love to, uh, um, you know, I think what our vision is, is to, is to spread science clubs, throughout uh throughout southern california or throughout la at least greater la um and what usually what those to kind of look like are 
we'll partner up. Let's see. We've partnered up with YMCA's and boys and girls clubs and, um, low-income housing uh, units or providers. And we'll come in and, uh, you know, basically bring a, you know, a science club in a box with, a, um, you know, with a bunch of different materials and, and curriculum and things like that. And the idea is, is that all of these are clubs. So the kids get a real voice in what they're interested, what they want to work with and discover. Um, all the, you know, obviously with the support of Space Center staff. And then eventually what we want to do is be able to train up, you know, interested parties at these partners uh, um, who have these long-term relationships with the kids that they work with and get them to take ownership over it so that they be they can run a club and they can you know, do it as often as they want or as, you know, once a month or every week or whatever it is. And, um, and the space centers here as sort of a support hub, um, you know, we're developing content all the time and things like that. And, you know, kind of that sort of, that sort of support, but, um, you know, I don't want to be too long in this answer, but this is, I'm passionate about this. So I'm going to, um, kind of talk about the origin of that. Um, you know, I've worked in a lot of large museums and we talked a lot, we would talk a lot about how, Oh, you know, we want to build these relationships with communities and, you know, and, and really sort of, you know, uh, you know, get, get to know communities and things like that. And, but we would constantly be spending huge amounts of money on just increasing the size of our footprint where we were or developing these exhibits that maybe not really spoke to all the communities that we wanted to work with and things like that. So, um, so I had left the museum world. Well, I'd left the nonprofit side of the museum world and went to work as a creative director at a design company with museums um, or for museums. But I really missed sort of that connection to, uh, you know, to, to the people who were using this stuff. You know, I designed something, it would go in across the country and I really, really never see anybody use it. So I founded a science club in my neighborhood, um, working with a low-income housing provider. And it was great. And it really made me, or it was great. It was a great experience for me in the sense that um, it really made me see that, you know, the, the experience that museums can bring do doesn't, especially science museums is not connected to the building itself. It doesn't have to be in a, and in a place like LA, especially where it's difficult to get places and kids are isolated because, you know, maybe both their parents are working and they can't, you know, can't drive across town or something to the few resources that are there. We can bring high quality experiences out to where kids are. And that's really important. And the other thing it gave it dawned on me is that I could have a relationship with these kids over time. Um, the science club that I founded went from 2008 to 2018. And I saw these kids, they, some of them started when they were in third grade and now they're in college. Um, and that sort of, sort of deep connection to learners and, and sort of being part of a community and really trying to, to listen to what, what they want and what they need and what they aspire to and all that kind of stuff. That to me is the gold of where, science museums or science experiences should be. So, um, so that's kind of underpins this whole idea here at the space center of kind of getting out of our four walls and, and sort of founding this science club thing. So whether it's the, the early childhood program, or we have, um, a girls in STEM club here that is phenomenal. And we have like a 200 girls on a waiting list to get in, but the girls in STEM club, you know, we have 200 girls on a waiting list and we need, we need to, put those girls someplace because we don't have the space or the capacity to do it here on site. So um, really sort of looking at how we leverage partnerships with 
in communities where kids are that want this kind of stuff or, um, you know, how we found our own sort of remote sites and things like that. That's, that's really important to us. That's part of our strategy of, of sort of being big, but not actually being big. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing about your experience. Uh, 10 years, was that 10 years of working with students? Um, you mentioned 2008 to 2018. Yeah, yeah. Science Club. And, um, I think you mentioned about working with the low income housing uh, mm-hmm. partner. What was, how did that work? Um, but it's very much based on that science club that I did, uh, you know, for 10 years. So that science club, you know, I was living in a neighborhood. I wanted to do some hands-on science with a group of kids. Uh, I heard that there's this low income housing provider that had a, an apartment building about three blocks from my apartment. And, uh, and I just started, talking with them and they said, yeah, sure. You can try this out in one of our community spaces. And then it kind of went from there. So when we started working with low-income housing providers here in, at the space center, it was basically, I kind of, you know, I knew that this was possible. I just didn't know who was interested. Um, so we got connected. It started with one, one, right? So we you know got connected with one pretty big provider. I think they have, geez, maybe like 120 locations around LA have, because they are large, they actually have a department for sort of recreation with the kids who live in their units. Um, um, but they didn't have a STEM program and they knew that the kids were interested in that. So, you know, we talked to them and we, you know, um, showed them kind of what the Space Center is capable of and uh, did a lot of training with their staff to train them in um, our curriculum and our content and, and things like that. And then, um, my staff would kind of run or kind of go around and be do troubleshooting and things, but really it was their staff, their educator staff that was delivering the programs. And I think we had about before the pandemic, I think we had about 10 sites going. They all kind of came together uh, uh, to do field trips here at the space center as culminating activities and things like that. It's been a really great experience to work with um, those groups. The Annenberg Foundation is a family foundation that provides funding and support to nonprofit organizations in the U.S. and globally. The foundation is dedicated to addressing the critical issues of our time through innovation, community, compassion, and communication. To learn more, go to annenberg.org. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, City of STEM and what the role of the Space Center is in that initiative? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, as I mentioned, what the Space Center does, it you know we've got exhibits where we've got things here in the building, and we do these programs in and out of the building and stuff. And we also do events, and so we um, founded and coordinate a City of STEM, which is we think it's probably the largest science or STEM initiative in Greater LA, um, or one of the the largest. Uh, it's become LA Science Festival. Um, it's a month long program that runs in April. Um, and it, it's really a way for us to, to kind of showcase all the fantastic STEM resources that are in this area in Southern California. Um, you know, the vision kind of has three points to it. It's to, it's really, uh, to provide an experience where, you know, people can, anybody can walk down the street in LA and feel like they're surrounded by STEM, um, you know, kind of could look at a tree and see it as a, almost like a STEM object. So really be sort of aware of STEM around them. Um, the second point is that awareness of the, 
of that STEM is all around people and that there are the, the awareness of the STEM resources that are all around them. So there are you know, these, LA has these fantastic sort of museums and out of school experiences and things like that, that are uh, STEM related that, um, that are important that everybody knows that, that they're out there and that, and that they can, they are accessible. And the third point is that we want to make sure that everybody feels like they are part of the ongoing STEM story of LA. Um, you know, LA is, you know, I know it's entertainment capital of the world, but it really is a STEM town. Um, you know, it was founded really from, you know, oil, which is very STEMI, um, aerospace, which is very STEMI, and even the entertainment business has got a ton of, you know, STEM behind it. So um, there's all this sort of STEM storyline that's continuing with, you know, with the SpaceX and Virgin and stuff like that still here. Um, and we want to make sure that everybody feels like they're part of that. This is this is not just the legacy of a certain kind of LA person, but it's everyone's legacy here, and that it's also the future legacy is everybody's story to tell. So, so, so what we do on a sort of practical sense is, uh, like I said, City of STEM lasts the entire month of April. We always kick off the first Saturday with a huge sort of traditional science festival um, here and uh, the the park around our facility. And we usually see about, you know, like, well, last time we did it in person, which was April of 2019, we had um, probably over 12,000 people on site that day. We have about 130, 150 um, STEM organizations that are our partners. Um, that's from business to higher ed, to other museums, to other nonprofits, you know, kind of across the board. Um, and on that, that open, on that kickoff day, like most everybody has a booth and you kind of go there. There's, we have science bands playing. There's some really fantastic musicians in town that are very science focused. Um, we've got uh, panels of, of expert speakers about things like how to grow a STEM kid or what's the latest in innovation in town or something like that. Um, uh, we just, we have a lot of stuff going on that day, but it's all to kind of kick off this month. And then every single day of the month, we have uh, um, multiple STEM focused events that that are City of STEM um, affiliated. So, uh, you know, some museums might be doing a special program on dinosaurs, and that's a City of STEM program. But it happens the second Tuesday of the month, and that so it's it's kind of this whole series of things, and then there's a culminating thing at the end. Um, we are planning, you know, for the past couple of years now, the 2020 and 2021 uh, events were all online. We provided about 21 hours of online content live, um, you know, in both years. And now we're excited that April of 2022, we're planning on an in-person event. Um, and so the kickoff is going to be Saturday, April 2nd. I hope everybody can come down. We'll have, you know, all those hundred plus partners here kind of showing off what they do and We've got some really great stuff happening. And then as the month goes on, we'll have multiple um, in-person things. But but we did enjoy our, our online presence for the past couple of years. So we'll be having parallel online programming throughout the whole month also. And I, I love that, you know, I think uh, most people think of LA as entertainment. Um, in some pockets, tech, if you're in tech. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I love this initiative of really getting people that live in LA to feel a part of what's happening in, in yeah. STEM here. Um, I think that's an that's area that doesn't get highlighted as much. In no, right, right. 
Yeah, most people, yeah, don't think, but we have, you know, Caltech is is here. That's, it's the number one. I mean, I think it eclipsed MIT a couple of years ago as like the number one STEM school. Um, you know, that's, that's all located here, but nobody ever talks about it. Yes. And what, I mean, do, do you have a sense of why that is? <laughs> is um, LA is too big. <laughs> it could be that. Uh, it could be that, um, you know, you know, being also the media capital of the world, you get, uh, you know, uh, you get a lot of coverage of media. <laughs> so that's, that's a big thing. Um, uh, you know, maybe because city of STEM, that's our job, right? Is that that's the project we're working on. So it's just, it's, it's a challenge that has to be met and city of STEM is here to, to meet it. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, I do think Southern California is fantastic in its diversity on many levels. Um, but the diversity of, of industries and things like that is pretty amazing. And, um, and you don't get that in a lot of different places. So, um, I think it's just kind of hard to keep up with all the different stories here. I think you mentioned even the entertainment industry requires a lot of, STEM, Oh yeah. Yeah. STEMI to take your word. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, everything behind the camera is tech. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've, there've been, I've been on panels where, you know, people way smarter than me have kind of worked out like, you know, one of the reasons why, uh, why the entertainment industry is here and why, you know, aerospace is here um, or was here and, and it continues to be here is that, you know, back, back in the day, you know, land was pretty cheap. There wasn't, a, there weren't a lot of people here. So you could get these sort of large places and build big, build big warehouses or airfields or something like that. But also um, it wasn't, you know, it's not just the weather it's their Caltech and the, and UCLA and these schools here that have been around for a long time, were churning out a lot of people with technical knowledge and they needed, they had this sort of great labor force that was looking for for something to do. And so um, the technology involved in filmmaking, you know, really kind of helped solidify that, you know, just the, you know, when it was, you know, more manual cameras, you needed, you know, most of that stuff is all very technical. You don't see it necessarily, but you can't, you can't produce a movie without tech and, and even more so now, now it's all software and stuff like that. You know, it, it, the, the area of LA has had this sort of great technical and sort of STEM expertise for such a long time. And so it's kind of gravitated towards industries that, that rely on that. This is great. I'm, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. I'll try to cite the person who was telling me about that. <laughs> um, so, and Ben, where do you see um, STEM or STEAM education uh, going in the, in the next three to five years? Um, Oh, man, that's such a hard question because we are in such the, of this transition period, right? I mean, um, you know, COVID, you know, basically now I'm talking, it's a two-year thing, really. Like I, I was trying to be like, oh, it's a year, it's 18 months, but now I'm just like, all right, it's just, it's two years. We're going to say that COVID has been two years. Um, it's kind of, it's really upended so much stuff that I think we're pieces that have been tossed in the air, we're still kind of drifting down. We haven't really found where we are yet, but, um, and so anyway, so I guess it's, it's upended everything, definitely education. So, you know, where is STEM education going, STEM or STEAM education going in the next three to five years? You know, I think it's going to be hybrid. I think there was too much fantastic 
work happening online. And I think so many people got trained up on the tech, teachers, providers. I just can't imagine that people will just completely abandon that um, for many, many different reasons. But I, I also think that it's because there was good learning happening. I mean, you know, people were providing really good content out there and kids were able to get it. Now, I think that's the other part of, of STEM education in the next three to five years, which is, I think, huge magnifying glass on the inequities in education, both in terms of access and, you know, resources and stuff like that. Um, I think just, you know, obviously just became so out in the open that I think STEM education has to, to be a part of that, you know, really be a part of that conversation. The, this is not two different conversations. You can't just say like, oh, you know, STEM education is good. Oh, it's going to be more, you know, whatever the next refinement of inquiry based or whatever it is. Like, I feel like we've got the pedagogy for doing good STEM. You know, we got it down and now we've seen that we can do it even online, but reacting to and seeing how STEM education crosses over into this idea of, of equity and inclusion and access um, and diversity, frankly, that I think is just, I think that's sort of the next frontier um, for what we do. I have to say, you know, we think about this a lot and I'm not just trying to puff up the space center, but we do think about it a lot because we're located in Southeast LA, which is an extremely dynamic, extremely diverse, um, you know, area of Los Angeles, which is already dynamic in the first, but we, we have communities that are, you know, you know, new to the area. We have communities that are, you know, up and coming, like just all kinds of things going on down here. And I think the way that I think, again, like the, the basic pedagogy of STEM education is, is good, you know, but figuring out how to, to speak sometimes literally to these emerging communities or the communities that have been there that just haven't been spoken to directly before. Um, that's really, uh, I think that's, has always been very important, but definitely in the past two years has become even more important. So, um, so I think that if that's a pedagogical question, I think that's where that's a direction that we should be going. And I hope that we're going to, um, you know, crack that nut in the next three to five years, but also this idea of really sort of figuring out what the balance is between in-person and online and really taking advantage of all the advantages of online, but also, um, not thinking of it as a panacea or the end all be all. Um, that a lot of us have done online in the past year with STEM education has really been trying to also be very thoughtful about the social emotional learning benefits of STEM because we were, because we couldn't have social in-person experiences that kind of take care of that automatically in some ways, we had to be way more thoughtful on how we were doing that on an online environment. And I think that's not going to go away and only going to get better. Yes. Thank you for mentioning um, social emotional learning in working with schools there, I get a sense that uh, STEM or STEAM took a bit of a backseat mm -hmm. to, um, you know, like basic skills, math, English, sure. and, um, and SEL during the pandemic. Sure. Is that something that, that you've seen? And, um, and, and I guess where I land is that you can make a strong case that STEM actually encourages all those things as well. But absolutely what you think about that. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, the first part is you know, the last thing you said is that it's not just a strong case. It is a case like it's STEM learning is 
if you're doing it right, is by its very nature crosses over in 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 uh, you know uh, allows for social and emotional learning. These are, you know, STEM is not done in a vacuum. It's, it, these are social activities. Um, there's a ton of teamwork, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then just, you know, uh, other aspects of SEL, which I think are less literal, like, um, so this is starting to get into another thing we I think we might talk about, which is that big, um, the big initiative with the 30 plus STEM partners. But, um, you know, uh, well, just to, to kind of provide some context to the listeners then. Um, so uh, in the summer of 2020, early in the summer, I think it was May of 2020, um, as you know, the pandemic is upheaving education and people are like, what are we going to do? Um, I was leading this task force and kind of the opportunity came up to pull together a, a group of STEM providers, all out, you know, nonprofits, um, out of school time resources to provide enrichment online for LAUSD students during that summer of 2020. And we did it and it was great. And we were invited back by the district to do it in the school year last year. And, um, and so because, you know, we started off with about a dozen, but then because we were doing a whole school year program, we needed to, to really blow it up. So now we have about 35 different organizations involved and we've been providing um, in-class STEM, um, online, uh, like during this regular school day, which we call core, and then also uh, enrichment after school online, plus, you know, webinars and these sort of special events and things like that. We've been doing that since May of 2020. Um, and one of the partners in that, one of the 30 groups is Hilda Bay, and they have a fantastic staff. And one of the staff members, and you know, we meet, these 30 uh, partners meet every Tuesday for an hour and a half. And we've been doing it since since the summer of 2020. Um, and one of them, you know, we were talking about social emotional learning back in January of this year, January, 2021, because it looked like maybe for a second, the, uh, maybe there was going to be recovery. And we'd kind of heard that maybe kids were coming to the class, coming back to class. So we needed to really sort of think about what's the next evolution. We, we weren't just providing content. We, we had to be responsive to the social emotional learning needs of these kids who had been disrupted. And one of the heel, the base staff was like, yeah, of course we do, you know, uh, social emotional learning. Listen, even when I'm online with the kids, you know, I'm walking with a camera out in nature or on the beach. And even with the kids online, I'll take a moment and just sort of let, let the kids enjoy the sort of, you know, the mise-en-scene, the, the landscape and really tell, you know, ask them to be mindful and to like, think about this and think about it at an emotional level and things like that and have that conversation with the kids, um, which is just as important. And, and he gives it just as much time as any sort of like traditional STEM thing, which is like, you know, however many tons of kelp are in the ocean or something like that. So, um, so yeah, so STEM is by definition, very creative and extremely connected to social emotional learning. Um, and so I, I think that that's another one of those. It's like not knowing that there's a lot of STEM in LA, right? That most people don't think of LA that way. This is something that we have to better brand STEM as, as, as a social emotional um, experience because um, yeah, because you, you see it, you, you see the, you see that emotional connection with kids when they're doing these things. And, and often if you're doing good work with STEM, it's not about content. It's not about facts. It's about the activity. It's about talking to people. It's about working together, all that kind of stuff. 
Be a part of America's Student Support Network. Become a tutor, a mentor, or serve to support young people through quality opportunities today. Go to GetReadySet.org to learn how you can help. And if you are located in California, you can volunteer to tutor online today by going to StepUpTutoring.org. StepUp Tutoring's mission is to drive student success by providing free online tutoring and mentorship to elementary school students in third through sixth grades. Help spread the word. Prospective tutors may apply online through the StepUp Tutoring website at StepUpTutoring.org. Um, can you share a little bit about uh, what's next for Expand LA? Sure, sure. Um, so Expand LA is going to be a 501c3 organization that is the intermediary for out-of-school time learning in greater Los Angeles. So if you think of out-of-school time learning as, you know, museums and nonprofits and after-school programs and athletic leagues and arts programs and, you know, STEM summer camps and all this, all the things that that kids can access out of the classroom day that have to do with education. That's all, it's either out of school time learning, also known as expanded learning, also known as informal education, whatever it is. Expand LA is going to be the, the sort of organization that brings all of that together. It's the network, it's gonna um, support all of those different players. It's gonna advocate more as a, as a field, as a unified field. Um, and so, uh, and so Expand LA is right now working on formalizing itself, becoming a, a, this standalone nonprofit organization and um, is looking for an executive, uh, a, a inaugural executive director can kind of lead it. Um, but this has been in the works for two, well, well over two years, but like kind of really sort of roll up your sleeves and make it happen for the past two years. Um, I led the task force that started really started in like November of 2019 um, to start laying the groundwork for this organization and um, uh, working with the mayor's office and, and others throughout LA um, philanthropy. Um, because, you know, this all kind of came about from some listening sessions that were done to expanded learning providers or out of school time providers that said, Hey, we really need, we really need a group to kind of pull us together in LA. It's, it's such a really diverse, you know, it's a diverse region and we're kind of separated. We need to work together to be able to, you know, bring more resources down here to Southern California, to be able to standardize some of our practices, to just be able to talk to each other and know what each other's doing. So, so that's expand LA. Um, so the future is bright. And I imagine that in early 2022, the organization will really kind of come out as its own entity. Um, but, um, there was a lot of planning that went into it. And now we're in the sort of time of sort of solidifying the leadership. And then, and then it'll be, then it'll be its thing. One of the things that came out of this was this STEM um, initiative that's pulled together these 30 STEM groups. Now that's kind of become its own thing, uh, kicked into gear from Expand LA, but it's kind of informally called the LA STEM Collective. We'll see if that name sticks or what happens, but, um, but it's that group that's doing that big, um, you know, out of school learning initiative with LAUSD. When I think of um, out of school learning and I, traditionally it's been like enrichment for kids that whose parents can afford to sure. drive them places, have them pay for clubs or memberships. Mm -hmm. um, I assume that, that this work is serving uh, populations, vulnerable populations that don't necessarily have access to this out of school learning. 
Was Absolutely. That, that right? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, baked into the mission of expand LA is, is just that it's to um, create greater access to out of school learning opportunities, especially for marginalized and underrepresented uh, students throughout LA. Um, no, that is, that's absolutely key. Um, and then it yeah, translates into the, the work that's going on with the STEM group also. So there's 30 plus STEM organizations where we all get together and we are very focused on um, increasing access and diversity within, not just within our own field, but within you know, the students who access our resources. We as a field have the research behind us to show how effective we are at you know, educating kids, at sort of directing their path. There's a, there's a study that came out a little over 10 years ago now, I guess, but it was, you know, kind of showing the value of, of informal education experiences. And we play, if not the most important, maybe the most important, <laughs> I would say, if you read the data some ways, it's like the most important role in, in sort of determining what kids are doing, because um, at least in STEM, uh, there's a study that was done that looked at a bunch of STEM professionals, like thousands of STEM professionals throughout the country. And most of them pointed to an out of school time experience as the thing that kind of really inspired them, like a visit to a, to a museum, uh, you know, visited wherever they were with a snake or something like that. Um, you know, that kind of stuff really just kind of sets kids paths. And so it's very important for us to make sure that everybody has access to that, but especially kids who are marginalized, underrepresented and under-resourced sort of access to those experiences. Expand LA is going to work really hard at that. Um, and that's part of the sort of power of, of this collective action of being able to get resources that support that work and, and kind of break down at least the cost barriers and maybe some of the distance barriers and kind of work on these big issues like access as, as a group, as, a, as opposed to just all of us kind of doing our own thing. Um, so, I mean, that's that. But also, again, like I said, in, in, uh, in STEM or in the STEM group, we're working on the same thing. Um, you know, part of our work with LAUSD is that enrichment sort of after school portion, and it's all free and it's open to every kid in the district. But in the early part of it, we are noticing that kids in more resourced parts of the of LUSD were kind of taking a lot of the slots for enrichment. And so the STEM group is um, working on plans to help the district figure out how to how to democratize that or not democratize that, but, you know, um, change that even to the point of, you know, we've talked about partnering up with the library systems in L.A. and L.A. County to actually have our staff the STEM organization staff there to help kids and families register for these enrichment classes if, if they're part of uh, expand or if they're part of LUSD. So, I mean, it's a, this, these sort of large problems of access will hopefully be solved by sort of big thinking from large groups of, of really invested providers. Um, so that's important, but you know, I wanted to, I also wanted to jump on another thing you said, which was about, you know, I, you, you kind of think about these STEM organizations as, as enriched, and, and things like that. Um, I really hope one of my personal goals is to is for us to not think of it that way. Like we are fundamental to the education life of kids, period. We're just as important as the classroom or just as valuable as the classroom. And we can't, we can't always kind of paint ourselves in this box of the enrichment part. Um, again, we provide so much that really kind of kicks kids down their path of what they're passionate about, what they do and things like that, that um, I'm not saying that teachers and classrooms don't, but, but it's the combination of both of these things working together, one more formalized with the school district and one, you know, more 
disparate, but just as important and valuable to kids' lives that I would hope that we start to get away from thinking about as just enrichment. Um, these are fundamental things. Uh, we have a lot of freedom in what we do on the out-of-school time that classrooms don't. And I think there's a, there's a real value to having a mix of those two things together. I couldn't agree more, Ben. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share about your work across all these different organizations? I, I'm very happy to be able to talk about it. These are things that are happening all over the place in LA from you know hundreds, if not thousands, of, of really dedicated professionals. Um, you know, the, the educators, and, and this is more than just STEM, you know, just the educators who are working with kids after school and after school programs and arts programs and things like that. Like these are, these are professionals who know what they're doing and how to connect with kids and connect with communities and connect with people. And, um, and so I just, I'm really lucky to be able to be talking to you to be one of them and be able to talk to you like this, but there are hundreds of me out there that are doing really great work. And, um, and I think, you know, thank you for taking notice of that and of the field. Take a look at what resources are around you, and uh, and if you see any that are doing great work but need a like a bump up, you know, you know, help help support them. That would be that'd be great. I guess the only other thing I wanted to say too is that you know the other hat that I wear is I am the library director for the city of Downey, and libraries are also out of school learning facilities. Adults sometimes learn how to read and write for the first time. There are places where sometimes little kids say their first words or take their first steps. I mean, this happens across the board and, and a lot of the organizations I've been talking about, but, but, you know, libraries are really important parts of this um, sort of education tapestry that's out there, the public education tapestry that's out there. And, uh, you know, uh, they, I'm hoping that, you know, things like Expand LA also, you know, there have been great partnerships built and I hope that that continues. All of these things that you spend your time in when you're not at school are, you know, really, really shape who you are. And then individuals shape communities and communities shape, you know, there's this ripple effect of how important these places are. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for, for wanting to talk about that. Thank you for your work. Um, you're, you are making me think of all the experiences I had outside of the classroom, which I like lived in a library basically. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my first STEM experiences were not in school. Yeah, (laughs) that's often the case. I mean, that's what we were, you know, you were actually, this is one of the first questions you asked, you know, about like, you know, you know, how STEM was de-emphasized in this past year. I mean, that was knowing that that was going to happen, just looking at how much time was allotted for the online classroom, um, especially last school year, and how that STEM was just like an add-on. If you had time, you could choose from doing STEM or doing a resource, uh, a recess thing or arts or whatever. It wasn't part of the sort of core curriculum. And that's a big reason why we, the STEM providers, came together and and, and did, um, did have been doing that initiative because, you know, we realized we worked with local district central at LUSD and realized that the, you know, we just focused on the fifth grade. We did every single fifth grade class in local district central. It was about 250 classes um, because we didn't want the, those kids to go through a school year with STEM as a, as an um, maybe have instead of a want to have, you know, a need to have. Um, and, you know, but that was pre-pandemic too. I mean, if you look at the stats, so many, 
you know, so many teachers, especially in, in elementary school, don't have the, um, the training for STEM or the interest or, but usually that is, it's not really about interest. It's about just like comfortability with doing STEM. You know, it's truly not rocket science, but having a partner like a space center or a museum are there to kind of help you through is so, so helpful, but it, it translates that being just sort of uncomfortable translates to how much time STEM is, is given in the classroom. So um, especially in those elementary grades, like it has to be, it has to be a fundamental thing or accessing the library or museums or anything like that has to be so easy that it can be a fundamental experience, even if it's not happening in the classroom. Cause yeah, I mean, your story is, I've heard that with a lot of people, like the first time that, and I think probably if I think about it, my first real, the thing that really kind of got me into science was Star Wars, for, seeing Star Wars for the first time at this sort of pop culture event, but it happened in space. And I was like, ah, I love space. That looks great. And then watching Carl Sagan's Cosmos, like they're two, those are two things that are not classroom related at all. Those are out of school time STEM experiences. They're media based, but still, um, that's what kind of got me here. I think most people will, will say that, um, so, you know, if it's not happening in the classroom, there has to be other places that people can access this kind of stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate learning more about you and um, and your work. And this is so vital to our uh, LA ecosystem and um, especially at this time. And Indeed. Hope. Thank you. Thank you so much for supporting it. And thank you so much for being interested and um yeah, I'm happy to happy to join any other time, but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk today. Thank you. And where can people learn more about the Columbia Space Center? Um, you can at our website at columbiaspacescience.org or through social media at Columbia Space. City of STEM, you can also access with cityofstem.org if you want to learn about that. Our, uh, you know, our programming um, and then uh, if you're interested in the work that we're doing, this sort of, we're, like I said, loosely called the LA STEM Collective. So if anybody's interested, um, me and I'm happy to follow up. We will do that. Thank you, Ben. The Annenberg Learner Podcast joins the catalog of multimedia professional learning content to support educators teaching in more effective ways. Annenberg Learner is the education division of the Annenberg Foundation. Learner supports the foundation's mission to encourage the development of more effective ways to share ideas and knowledge. Go to learner.org and annenberg.org to learn more.